0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred.
2: FM 89.9706 a.m on Thursday the 22nd of December you're listening to the morning run with me Shazana Mokhtar Chong Jensen, and Wong Xiao Ning we did receive a message from a listener this morning uh, letting us know that it's winter solstice uh, day today and there's a greeting uh, uh, I'm gonna ask my fellow colleagues to pronounce it dong Z dong I
0: wouldn't know <laughs> 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 to rely
3: on well yes it is that day today so well basically Really happy eating your little uh, glutinous rice balls okay <laughs> enjoy that moment spend time with your family it's also because we celebrate this because it is the sh- it is the day with the fewest hours of sunlight in the whole year making it the shortest day of the year There we go, that's the winter solstice. And happy eating dumpling day is very easy to say. As
2: always, we're going to kickstart this morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight.
0: So US markets built on their gains from the previous day. The Dow was up 1.6% and both the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq were up by 1.5%. In Asia markets, the Nikkei was down by 0.7%. Hang Seng was up by 0.3%. The Shanghai Composite was down by 0.2%. The Straits Times Index up by 0.1% percent and the FBMkLCI it was down by 0.3%.
2: So for more thoughts on what's moving markets, we speak to Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence. Good morning, Tony. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Now, this week, we saw results from Nike and FedEx that, that beat market forecasts. And this also seems to be uh, buoying the uh, U.S. markets. Do you think that um, these are positive indicators
1: of resilience
2: in U.S. retail sales and that not all is doom and gloom as far as consumer sentiment is concerned?
1: Yeah, I think certainly on the Nike side, um, they obviously did well and consumers seem to be shrugging off price rises Uh, at the same time nike uh, says they've cleared a lot of their inventory which they had uh, everyone had a lot of inventories from overbuying because of supply shocks so you know What a lot of these retail firms are seeing is higher price, but slightly lower volume. So we expect to see that trend going into Q1, maybe Q2 of next year um, across kind of high quality retail and consumer firms. We will see uh, marginally lower volumes, um, but we'll see higher price and likely higher revenues as well.
0: And Tony, sales of previously announced U.S. homes have fallen for a 10th straight month in November, whilst consumer confidence rose by more than forecast, the highest since April. What do these data points tell us about the state of the U.S. economy?
1: Yeah, I think the, the housing one is worrisome because that's where most Americans um, kind of feel their wealth. If they feel their house price rising, then many Americans feel more comfortable spending. So and retail sales, um, I guess, can be a reflection of that, but also there's the seasonal nature of it. So I think the more worrying part of of it for me is housing and housing values and mortgage applications. Uh, And that's a, you know, that's a real concern across the economy. And if we start to see contracting and spending, it's probably because of the sentimental issues there.
2: And Tony, while we're speaking about the U.S., maybe you can give us an update about uh, the winter weather there at the moment and the cold snap that's expected this week. We did see last year how um, a cold snap uh, disrupted uh, markets in Texas and in the energy grid there. Mm -hmm. What's the outlook going um, into this week?
1: Oh, great. I'm in Texas. We are preparing (laughs) for uh, temperatures well below freezing uh, tomorrow night and through the uh, weekend. Uh, The governor here, uh, over the past two years since we had that Obviously, that embarrassing issue. They put a lot of focus on the uh, electronics, uh, sorry, electricity regulator and infrastructure. They fired the board. They got a bunch of different people in to run it. Um, and uh, they spent a, quite a lot on infrastructure, actually. So um, we're hoping that we won't see big outages. This is not as long of a cold slap snap as we had in February of 21. Um, this is just a few days, which is good. So um, so I don't think we'll see the alarm that we saw and have the damage that we, we had two years ago. But who knows? I'm hoping that the, the focus from the governor's office here in Texas really has uh, reinforced the infrastructure so we don't see any of those issues.
3: Tony, let's shift our attention to Asia and let's look at Japan because they made a surprise move, especially uh, from the Bank of Japan, because they're changing their yield curve control policy. Uh, why do you think Bank Bank of Japan is shaking things up now?
1: Yeah, there are a couple of issues. First, you know the the real buying power of a salary is obviously down in Japan because of inflation and because of the weak yen. It's down pretty dramatically. So people in Japan are feeling it pretty hard. And so the BOJ had to do something to um, improve the buying power of yen-based salaries. Uh, and so I, you know part of it, I believe, was this. Uh, part of it is, you know, Kuroda is out in April of 23, I believe. And I think uh, the BOJ wanted to signal a policy change before a new chair came on. Because if you had a new chair and a new policy, the uncertainty around both of those could really cause shocks and panic around markets. So I think uh, obviously Corona has been in in there for 10 years and he wanted to um, uh, start that policy change so that people understood the vision uh, and the direction of it before his exit to allow for a smooth transition for the new uh, BOJ chair.
3: So is it very likely
1: or is it a, already a
3: foregone conclusion that the Bank of Japan will likely raise interest rates next year because they are the last men standing among the central bankers out there?
1: Um, I think they'll try. Um, will they be successful? I'm not sure that they can be, uh, but I think they'll try and we'll see you know we'll see who wins out. I just you know it's the same old demographic and productivity issue in Japan. Um, if they can push interest rates, great, but they, they may not be able to, um, just given where, you know, J- Japan is from a structural perspective.
0: And Tony, when we talk about ASEAN, we tend to forget about Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar and Vietnam, or the CLMV countries. What is their mm-hmm. outlook for them in 2023? Will their action plan for 2023 and 2024 be able to lift their collective income standard to that of their neighbours?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be hard. You know, the CLM part of it, Cambodia, Laos and Myanmar are largely dependent on China's performance. So if China is doing well, you see investment funds and you see manufacturing activity come to those markets, maybe less so Laos, but certainly Cambodia and Myanmar. Um, so, you know, the, and they they trade quite a lot with China. So, you know, if China is really opening up and If they really are starting their infrastructure projects and and all of the related activity that starts with those, it could you know things could go well for Cambodia, Laos, and, and uh, Myanmar. I think Vietnam, uh, like all of Southeast Asia, is pretty dependent on China's performance simply due to its proximity and trade relationship. Um, Vietnam's a little bit different, a little bit more industrialized, um, of course, a lot more industrialized. We think. Um, you know, inflation in Vietnam, because of the frenetic activity there, will continue to rise in 2023. Uh, economic g- growth will continue to accelerate through the year, uh, again, largely because of fixed investment. Um, and a lot of that fixed investment is because companies are trying to figure out substitutional locations for China production. China is not giving a lot more confidence, particularly to Western companies. So I think people are looking for a way to balance out their China concentration.
2: And maybe one last question before we let you go um, for the holiday weekend, Tony. What's your outlook uh, for oil um, going into the next year?
1: Yeah, I I think going into next year, we have the SPR releases from the U.S. are are pretty much done. Um, The Russia embargo is on. Um, I think it's, it's unless we have a very hard recession, it's going to be difficult to stop the rise of crude prices in, uh, particularly in say mid to late Q1 and Q2. So, um, so I do think we we see a pretty you know every crude investor, well almost every crude investor, not every crude investor, but most crude investors I speak to, these are really smart people, they're pretty well aligned that that prices should rise from here. Um, so I think we're, you know, we're in for a rough year for crude prices from a consumer perspective, and I think that could add to uh, inflation. So there is, I think, this very pervasive view that you know inflation's behind us. I'm not quite sure that's uh, that's where we are. I think we could see some persistent inflation, particularly kind of end of Q1, early Q2, re-rising next year. Uh, And, you know, that will be uh, it'll be a difficult central bank environment if we see persistent inflation. So all of those things are interrelated, of course.
2: All right, Tony, thank you very much for speaking to us and wishing you a happy holiday weekend. That was Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence. Ending the conversation there, perhaps not so much on a holiday note, given that uh, he is uh, forecasting uh, possible uh, oil price increases in the future, which doesn't look good for inflation and for central bank action.
3: Yeah, for sure. But I think with China reopening, possibly and this bad weather short term, there's pressure for oil prices
0: to actually rise. Yep, yeah, I think what... What was actually quite interesting is that he did say that the 10 straight dip in uh, US home prices is something that's actually quite worrying. And I think it comes at, on the back of rising interest rates as well and also uh, higher costs of repayments for US consumers. So it could lead to something a bit more sinister going
3: forward. <laughs> <Okay>. Sinister, <laughs> Jensen. Sounds so ominous. Well,
2: let's uh, turn our attention to semiconductors because semiconductor maker Micron announced that it would reduce its headcount by about 10% in twenty. 2023, and this is just the latest example of a tech industry slowdown affecting employment. We have seen a similar news coming out of companies like Intel, Nvidia, and Qualcomm. Um, just for you know, your information, Micron has about 48,000 employees, so 10% of that. You can do the math.
0: And uh, its shares actually fell over 1% in extended trading. It also suspended 2023 bonuses and it expects to make a $30 million charge in the current quarter. And this move actually comes on the back of uh, rather poor first quarter numbers where they reported a loss per share of about $0.04 a share and $4.1 billion. And And it's also facing an environment where PC sales have already started to slow or shrink. Market doesn't really
3: like this stock because it is already down forty five percent on a year to date basis. Uh, if you just look at the broader Nasdaq, that is just down thirty one percent. But the street, the analysts, seem very reluctant to change their call because there's twenty nine buys, eight holds, two sells. Consensus target price for this stock: sixty five U.S. dollars. Regular market hours trading, the stock was actually up $0.51 to $51.19. All
2: right. if you want to hear more about the semiconductor industry outlook, you can look up the podcast uh, from yesterday. We spoke to Alex Holmes, Senior Economist of Oxford Economics, on whether 2023 will continue to be a challenging one for the APAC semiconductor industry. 7.18 in the morning, we are heading into some messages. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned to BFM 89.
1: The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. Moving forward with you, visit cmbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.